welcome to the Junction Church Aberdeen podcast. We're so glad you chose to listen to this life-changing message. We're starting a new series. This is me. And uh, this is, um, for me, this is one of the most, I think, profound series that we have ever done. And uh, I'm a little apprehensive because I want to do it justice. Um, we are going to be reading from uh, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16, verse 13 to 18. And we're going to be concentrating on this verse. And we're going to be opening up the topic about who we are, who the church is, and who Jesus is. Three massive subjects. Now, in today's life, everybody wants to know who they are. It's like the most epic journey. It's, it used to be just those people who who did drugs went looking for themselves and uh, to go to Kathmandu. We've got a few pastors in our network who actually used to do that. And uh, uh, we've got one of our Scottish pastors, I think, um, came, to at the, came to at the bottom of a lift shaft in Kathmandu, having, for, having laid there for about three days and uh, looking for himself and discovered actually where he was, yeah, <laughs> at the bottom of a lift shaft. And, and, uh, but as time has moved on, people... In, in this generation, everyone's trying to identify themselves and their purpose and their reason for being here. What is it about themselves? What makes them unique? I think it is in the very nature of life that, that as the world uh, becomes more corporate, more um, everybody, as the internet has, has drawn everyone closer together, um, as technology has brought everyone together, it, people have become more uniform, not more different. And as people have become more uniform, we, we wear very similar clothes around the world. Our languages are merging into very um, similar languages. Um, words that are used in one language is transferred just straight into another language. And, and um, so we, 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 as society has become more um, uniform, each person is beginning to go, but I'm not that I'm an individual. I have something. There's something about me. It's very important to understand who you really are. And so society is wanting to know, well, who am I? Well, the Bible tells you exactly who you are. You don't need to go to Kathmandu or smoke a joint. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> I, was in, uh, I was actually in Kashmir um, a few years ago, and uh, in Kashmir they have uh, cannabis growing wild just on the roadside. It's amazing, and uh, they, uh, they, they're just growing. And, and we we were uh, ministering in in, in Kashmir and uh, in Jammu and uh, right up into the mountains, and and we so we came back and um, we're at the airport, and there, there was this woman. Uh, I think she was uh, British. And, um, but she was so stoned. And I'm thinking, I don't reckon she's probably been here for like a month. She probably never made it past the air- airport verge. You know, just got out there, got to the weeds and never got any further. And now she's got to come home again. And uh, it's like, what are some people that they, they think they're going to find themselves, but actually all they do is lose themselves. Their head just gets fried and there's nothing going on. But Jesus Christ has come to set us free. Amen? Now here in Matthew chapter 16, it says this, when Jesus came to the region of um, uh, Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? 
So they said, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I say to you, that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. You know, I believe that this portion of Scripture is one of the most critical for us to understand as we pursue our faith in Jesus Christ. It is one of the most monumental discussions in the New Testament. For the reason being, it's the first time that the word church is mentioned. Jesus has introduced the church to the disciples. He's introduced a new concept, a new thought, a new way of doing faith, of doing life, of connecting to God. And what he seems to be doing here is is opening the enormous doors of life in Jesus Christ, life in the church. It's like these monumental doors of history are beginning to be opened and we see like a crack of light just shining through from beyond. And it's like he just reveals just a portion, a little bit of what it means to believe in him and to be built into his church and understanding the revelation of what is and who his church is. And so this, uh, over this series, we want to be discussing who the church is and who we are. You know, everyone is looking for an individual. And I know that in the, in the 80s and 90s, it became one of the most critical things. It was all, we talked about destiny. We talked about ministry. We talked about gifting. And, you know, many of you, if you've done our ministry training school, you will have done a ministry profile. What is your ministry gift? Um, and uh, maybe you've never done one of those profiles, but the chances are that um, at any point in life, a lot of business people, they've done personality profiling. Uh, a lot of companies employ you on your personality, not just your qualification. And so they, everyone wants to know who you are. A lot of people want to know who they are and, and what their gifting is and, and, and what their personality is and, and how they function and interact with other people and what's the best thing that they can do. And many people come to church and they go, oh God, where have you called me? What's my gifting? Is, is my gifting in the worship? Um, a lot of people want to be in the worship team uh, because it's just so amazing. I can understand it. But um, if you can't sing, you can't. <laughs> there's, there's, there's no grace allowed. If you can't sing, you can't come up. And uh, <laughs> it's not your calling, trust me doesn't matter how pure your heart is. It's not, you know, it's not a gift. And so, uh, or, you know, a musicianship. And, and so, there's a lot of people, people wanna, uh, want to, they want a ministry and they, they want a ministry gift. But, you know, the early church, no one even asked that, really asked that question. What is my, what is my ministry? What, what's my profile? Have I done the profile? They, they had the scripture talking about, but it wasn't really, uh, it wasn't really around that. What it was about was was about understanding who Jesus Christ was. And Jesus basically sets three questions when he, he lays out to the church. And he sets out these questions. And the first question he asks is, who do people say that I am? And that's a really important. Now, I would think to myself that Jesus, 
he wouldn't really care who people says he is. Wouldn't make a blind bit of difference. And so, so Jesus isn't really bothered for his own identity. He's not really worried about his public profile or, or how he's, he's measuring in the polls. You know, Jesus, Jesus' profile. It's like, you know, Jesus, um, he, he's not like a, a limited company or a public limited company that's looking for a, a, a better face on the stock market so that his shares go up. <laughs> Jesus isn't interested in his share price. <laughs> he's not interested in, in, in what other people think of him for his own sense of self-worth. But he is interested in knowing what is it that people say. And so he asked this question to his disciples, who do people say that I am? And then then he asked this really important question, but who do you say that I am? And suddenly he starts to draw it back to us as individuals. And then on the basis of those two questions and the answers that he gets, he reveals this phenomenal statement that he says to Peter, upon the you are Peter, which is a really critical part because he names Peter um, Peter's name is Simon. He's already named him Peter. But he says to him, you are Peter. And upon this rock, um, I will build my church. Or upon this truth, upon this revelation, I will build my church. And so this morning, what I want to do is just very quickly go through these three areas of what it means to believe in Jesus Christ. The first thing here is it says, who do men say that I am? And we have to understand, as I said before... Jesus wasn't interested in what people were saying for his own worth. He wanted to know what the disciples were listening to. See, what you listen to has an influence upon your own thinking. And we listen to a lot of things. I listen, as you know, I listen to the radio a lot. Radio for a lot. (laughs) A lot. In fact, I can't. I can't just do, I can't do silence. I don't do silence well. And uh, I kind of set myself up for that one, really. It's not very often the insults come back, you know. I can't do silence. The only time I can do silence is when I'm out walking the dog. I can't take, I, I, sometimes I take music with me or something, but I I don't like it. I, I want silence so I can pray and I can listen to God. But when I'm in the house or in the kitchen or even when I'm studying, the radio's on, music's on, something's on. And uh, so I listen, to, I listen to Radio 4 a lot. I listen to the radio when I'm in the, in the car. I, I prefer to listen to, to when I'm in the car to something that's intellectual rather than just a thump of a, a, a rhythm. I like music, but, but I want something that is, that's going to engage my brain. And uh, so I listened to Radio 4, and, and uh, I was actually listening last week uh, on Radio 4 on Thursday morning. There's a guy in, whose name I just can't remember at the moment. I've got one of his books. He's a, uh, a confessed um, intellectual. He is an intellectual, but he's a confessed atheist. Uh, and he runs a program uh, that discusses philosophy and history and the interplay between people's sort of thinking. He does this, and he has lots of leading figures and he was discussing this week on the Trinity. Now I've heard him discuss Christianity many times and normally it gets an absolute thrashing 
from the intellectuals who just come and just want to rubbish Christianity and make it look sort of uh, like a, any other kind of religion and trying to sort of connect all the religions together and all that kind of thinking. And so he has these intellectuals who want to discuss theologians and, and uh, to discuss the Trinity. And, and I'm, sitting, I'm listening to this thinking I'm waiting to get angry because I like getting angry listening to the radio. <laughs> You're rubbish. And it helps challenge my argument and my understanding and perception of what it is that people are saying and what they're saying wrong. And uh, so I'm listening to this. But the amazing thing was on this discussion was that when they were discussing the Trinity, every single one of the people who discussed the Trinity, not one of them could have any reason to say that there isn't a Trinity. So you've got four intellectuals of whom I couldn't tell whether there was one guy that just spoke with a grace on his life, almost an anointing. He sounded like he was truly born again, but I couldn't tell whether they were, um, whether they were liberal or whether the, what, where their position of theological position was. But they were all experts in, in the study of religion uh, and the study of Christianity. And this is what they said. Every single one of them said, you cannot, if you want a personal relationship with God, which is all religions do, you can't do it without a trinity. That was, the, that was defined. And they said any other religion has that problem. Because if you're going to define God in a personal relationship, He's not just God. He is God the Father. He is God the Son. He is God the Holy Spirit. And that God the Holy, the Trinity, defines a personal relationship with God. That's how you have a personal relationship because He is the Trinity. And this was this power. I'm listening to it. Go on! (laughs) But you know, in today's society, people are listening. We are listening to people's voices. I remember as a kid hearing this discussion about... Uh, in the in the 19, um, late 70s, I remember having hearing this discussion about some people arguing that you shouldn't be allowed to smack your children. And I just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now I remember hearing it because in that time, everyone was going, yeah, that's a law that's not going to get passed. Everybody wants to beat their kids. So yeah. <laughs> Today, if you even admit to the fact that you think it's okay to smack your children, someone's knocking on your door. Hello, would you? you I mean, personally, <laughs> I think there are times <laughs> when discipline <laughs> needs to be exercised. <laughs> but it's incredible how the people—they hear a voice, they hear a voice, they hear a voice—and people's minds get changed. I've seen it go right through the church. People's minds get changed by the constant listening to voices of people. And Jesus says to the disciples, who do men say that I am? He wanted to know what they were listening to. Why? Because people make stuff up. That's what they do. That's what we all do. If we can't work it out, we make it up. If we don't know what it means, we draw our own conclusion. It's the easiest thing for our brain to do. Why? Because we want answers. We don't want questions. We don't like unanswered questions. The problem with having faith in Christ is that every question that Jesus was ever answered, he answered it with another question. And the whole we have to be comfortable with asking more questions. The more questions that you ask, the more revelation and wisdom you get into your mind. But human thinking doesn't want questions. We want solutions. We just want an answer. We don't even want to ask the question. We just want to be told the answer. 
We want to shortcut that whole thought process going on in our brain and we want to be told an answer. And so we, we make stuff up. It says here in Acts chapter 17, verse 21 to 23, it says this, For all the Athe- uh, Athenians and the foreign, foreigners who were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear something new. They were doing Facebook without computers. Then Paul stood in the midst, and I didn't practice this word, Areopagus, that doesn't sound right, and said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious, for as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. Therefore the one whom you worship without knowing him, I proclaim to you. You see, the Greeks just basically made stuff up. They were trying in their heart to find a way. You see, in the heart of every man is a desire to connect to God. And everybody perceives God in a way that an atheist who doesn't believe in God has basically said, I am God. It just made themselves the center of the universe rather than God. It's about me, it's not about him. And so everybody is looking for God. There is a cry within the heart of looking for God. But what happens in looking for God, what happens is we tend to create answers for ourselves that fill in the gaps for the things that we don't understand. And Jesus is asking his disciples and he wants to know where their heart is at, what their mind is looking at, what are they listening to and how is it affecting their thinking. And so they say, oh, some people say you're, you're um, John the Baptist, which would have been a bit weird because Jesus and John the Baptist weren't there at the same time. Uh, perhaps they didn't know their history or they didn't really kind of know um, that Jesus and John the Baptist were, were around at the same time. Some people said he was uh, Jeremiah um, because he was so good with the word or, or, or um, some would have said he's, he's like a, a Elijah because, um, he, uh, because of the miracles um, and so they were kind of looking that he must be a prophet, he must be someone from the past they, they made it up because they couldn't work out who he really was and so instead of finding out who he was they just went out and just made up in their mind, just, just decided oh it's this you know the most critical thing that we have to do in our faith with God is not to make stuff up for answers that we don't know. A lot of people, they want to know. So I've asked this question, why didn't I get healed? It's probably the number one question that Christians ask for the answer that you're not going to get. Why, why, didn't I, why didn't God heal me? I don't know. A lot of people want me to know. I don't know. Do you know this? Let me tell you this. I hope this doesn't rock your faith, because if it does, I'm not doing a very good job as a pastor. (laughs) Do you know, I have seen more miracles than most people. I've seen people, I've prayed for people who is impossible to conceive to have children. I've seen people who have deformities of the spine completely and radically healed. I'm not just talking a twisted spine, I'm talking about bones that shouldn't be there disappear. I've seen open wounds, as I prayed for people, disappear on people's faces, disappear in front of me, so there's nothing left but a pink scar. I have seen miracle, miracles, miracles. Do you know how many times I've been healed? Not once. Of anything. Don't ask me why or how. 
I don't know. But I know my God heals. I know my God is my healer. I know He is the restorer. And in no way does it undermine the truth and the power of what He achieved on the cross of Jesus Christ. I want you to know that. I don't need that answer. I don't need that answer. We prayed over a, a cloth. Lillian brought a cloth. Um, we prayed over She sent me the video. Uh, sent us a couple of videos. I thought the video you sent me, Lillian, was the same video I'd seen and then realized it's not. This is a different video. Lillian's uh, brother-in-law, Alec, he's a pastor. He's ministered here many years ago. Um, he was very sick. And in fact, he was in our house maybe two years ago. Uh, he was in our house and he was so weak. I had to carry him. He was so weak. He, he was on my arm and he was very unsteady on his feet. And we took him outside. And he's just one of the most gentle men and just full of the spirit. He's originally from Aberdeen. And he's a real Aberdonian too. And, uh, he's, just, and he's just such a lovely, lovely man. And uh, he um, is, has been pastoring in Canada now for many years and uh, got saved out there. Uh, Lillian's uh, sister uh, and uh, Norma and, uh, and Alec and they got saved in Canada and then they become pastors of this incredible church and, and, uh, but he's been sick for like seven years and um, he's been I think was it Parkinson's he had he had Parkinson's he had a number of um, uh, medical conditions and he was just so weak he could hardly walk and we prayed over this cloth and he's been sick I mean, sick, sick for seven years, and he's trying to minister and pastor, and he, he could barely get out of the chair. And we, we prayed over this cloth for him uh, to be healed. And God radically, we've seen the miracle. I've seen the video. He's up in front of the church, and he's dancing up and down. He's praying. And then a few weeks later, he couldn't, be, he's dancing, but he couldn't raise his arms. And there he is in, in, the, in the, I don't know how, even how old he is, like he's probably in his sixth. 70-something, so in his 70s, and here he is, and he's just raising his arms right up over his, I won't do it because I'll show my tummy, and uh, I mean my six-pack, and it's in there, I know, by faith, and uh, yeah, <laughs> it's true, it's in there, I'm not making it up, and, and he's right there, he is raising his hands, and he's been believing God. He, Alec has seen more miracles than the rest of us put together. He's seen God do more incredible things. I've often listened to the story of what God has done in his life and through his ministry. And it's just inspired me for faith. And yet for seven years he stood hanging on to God. And here he is completely healed. See, my God heals. Amen. See, we don't, we don't need to try and answer the questions that we can't answer. What we need is a closer relationship with Jesus Christ instead of just making stuff up. Let's not try and make stuff neat and easy. The kingdom of God is messy. It leaves things untied. But this is the point. Faith brings us into a place of wholeness. It doesn't, it's not there to create a neat answer for your mind so that you're okay with yourself. What you want to be is okay with God, not just yourself. Amen? All right, the second point. How are we doing for time? I, I'm, I'm not doing well at all. My goodness. Okay, let's get through two points in 10 minutes. Who do you say that I am? Now, Christ is making this personal. When they were saying what other people were saying, um, he, they were saying, well, this is what they were thinking. Uh, this is what other people were thinking. Um, and I can understand that actually... Um, 
I've heard many people say, oh, I think somebody else said to me, and really what they're saying is they think it too, but they're, they're using somebody else's confession as a way of trying it out <laughs> to see whether it holds water at all. You know, somebody else said, I'm not really sure, but somebody else said, and uh, they're, tr- they're, try- they're sort of trying it out. So Jesus really comes and he, and, he, and he nails them. See, it's not enough to know what other people are saying. You've got to know in your heart who you believe in. And you've got to be able to confess within your heart who you believe in. Now, this is the amazing truth about the revelation of who Jesus Christ is. It is a revelation that you get once and you keep getting every day. In other words, to know Him is to journey in Him. He says to them, who do you say that I am? And Peter brings forth a revelation of who he is. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven, Jesus says to him. But Peter gets a revelation of who Jesus is, but he's getting a revelation of who Jesus is for the rest of his life. And this is one of the most important things, why we understand this truth, how we understand this truth, that as we begin to make this confession. If you want to know who you are, you've got to know who He is. Your life is framed in this truth, in this revelation. It says here in Galatians 1, Galatians 1, 11 to 12. This is Paul writing to the Galatian church. And he says, But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel was preached by, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to to man, for I neither, neither received it from man, nor was I taught it. It came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. This is really important, you know, because it's important to be taught. It's important to have relationship, fellowship, fuel, which I really encourage you. Make sure you get along to fuel groups. They're about reading the Bible. It's about studying the Word of God. It's about understanding who it is. But the Word of God, understanding the Word, is about bringing you closer to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It is all about the personal. It's all about the revelation of who Jesus is. And Jesus, He gave His life that you might have life. He is the Christ, Son of the living God. He is God. He became a man that He might pay the price that man had to pay that we might have life in Him. And that He then, having died, having risen again, it sits at the right hand of the Father, ruling and reigning, that we have victory in Him. He's in the place of complete authority over our lives. And when you begin to get that revelation, not because somebody told you, but because in your prayer time, you know Him. Now many people are saying, but I'm not sure I know Him. Do you know... That is not a point of crisis. This is what I want to get through to you. What you don't know is not a crisis. It is part of your journey. Children are not having a panic because they can't do their maths timetable. Children are not having a panic because they don't know their mum's first name. As far as they know, mum's called mum. Do you understand? Or mummy, because they're little. We put the E on the end of the E. The M-Y. 
I was using phonetics. <laughs> well, in fact, my parents, I had to, my mum was mummy and daddy. That's who they were. They were we were not allowed to call them mum and dad at ever. We'll call them mum and dad. They, they were always mummy and daddy, uh, even when we were adults, um, because uh, if we, they're not, my mum was, um, we're not common. You're not calling us mum. And uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> apparently we are. And uh, so, and yeah, so, so ch- children aren't having a panic because they don't know their mum's first name. Do you understand me here? Children aren't having a panic because of the stuff they don't know. All right? They're comfortable because they are with their parents who take care of them. It's time to get comfortable with Jesus Christ, with the Father and the Holy Spirit, because He takes care of you. It's time to get comfortable having a life that you don't fully understand. And so you say, well, I don't know whether I know. That's okay. What's important to know is that there is a truth of who Jesus Christ is, and that is a journey you will spend the rest of your life discovering. You say, well, I want to know it now. I'm sorry, that is not a revelation your brain can cope with. (laughs) I'm I'm discovering who he really is. Every day is a new day. When I take the dog out and I walk down the hill, I'm praying, God's putting new things into my heart, new thoughts. Some days I feel like some thoughts are being taken away. Some Some days I feel like I'm losing revelation. But many days I'm gaining revelation as something new. I'm thinking, I've been in the church my entire life. I've heard the gospel every single day of my life. I've, I've known the word. I've been brought up in it. But right now, I feel like a kid who knows nothing because I'm getting a revelation of who Jesus Christ is. You see, that's the journey we go on. And that's what Jesus wanted the disciples to know. Who do you say that I am? That is a question that we come back to every day. And it's in that question that we begin to form our own identity, our own assurance, our own understanding of who we are and where we're placed in the world. In every generation, they always say that the, uh, ch- uh, the children, the youth generation will break away from their parents, right? One of the things, that if you go to the... Um, if you meet up with other parents and you're talking away and say, oh, how many kids are you? Oh, yeah, I've got three children. And, and uh, you know, I remember that when our kids were coming into their teenage years, oh, they're coming into the teenage years? Yeah, I know, yeah. Yeah, you'll go through something then. And I'm thinking, no, we won't. Why, why will we go through something? Why will our teenagers suddenly hate us? What, what, why, why would they hate us? Why would they not want to talk to us anymore? And this is the reality, is this. Every generation is looking for identity from the last. That's where their security comes from. If you're a parent and you want to know how to handle your teenage kids, well, you handle them differently than you do your small kids, so don't treat them the same for a start, because they've grown up and they, need, they need, uh, actually need respect for who they've become. But more than this, celebrate who they are, because that gives them identity. And that identity gives them assurance and gives them love and an open voice back to you. Right? This is how it works in the kingdom of God. God values you for who you are. I've never met anyone who says, you know what, I prayed a lot, but Jesus, he really doesn't like me. (laughs) 
he just says all this stuff to me. He doesn't. I'm, I just feel awful every time I talk to Jesus. He, he doesn't like me. He, he, he controls me. He, he, he manipulates me. I've never, I've never heard anyone talk about Jesus other than in loving terms. See, when you, when you meet with Christ, he, he affirms who you are. He doesn't judge you. He doesn't. He doesn't. He, he leads you into a place of repentance. I mean, there are many times when I pray to Jesus and I realize that I'm not as good as I ought to be. But at never point, at point do I feel crushed or, or destroyed at that. I feel empowered to be able to go on and, and be restored fully in Him. And so when, when we come to know who He is, we discover that we have an identity in Him. Amen? Okay. And I'm just going to do two minutes on this last one. Jesus comes to Peter, and this is one of the most important things. He comes to Peter, whose name is Simon, and he says, you are Peter, or you are Petros, which means stone or rock. And then he says to him, on this truth, or on this Petras, you've got Petros and Petras. He says, you are Peter, Petros, and on this rock, Petras, I will build my church. It wasn't on Peter that the church was being built. It was on this rock. Now, Peter became a stone. Simon's Peter's name, Simon Bar-Jonah. He calls him, he doesn't call him Simon Peter, he calls him Simon Bar-Jonah. Simon, son of Jonah, you are Peter. His name is affirmed and changed. In other words, his identity of who he is is assured through this revelation of who Jesus is. If you want to know who you are, you've got to get a revelation of who Jesus is in your life. Your relationship with Jesus will affirm your identity and will affirm your calling and your destiny and your gifting and your ministry. Now, what does that mean for us individually? Well, this is what it means. Peter's personality never changed once. From the moment Jesus met him to the moment he died, he never changed his personality. Are you with me here? He was always the spontaneous, the first to get up and speak. Sometimes he made mistakes. He made mistakes after he got a revelation, the same as he did before he got a revelation. You understand, Peter's personality never changed. What changed was his assurance of who he was in Christ. Before, he was lost, but now he was found. I want you to know that if you are feeling insecure, you want to be asking, you're not asking the question, who am I? Ask this question, who is Jesus Christ? When you ask who Jesus Christ is, you discover who you really are. You begin to discover your identity and you begin to form. Peter's name was named on the basis of a revelation he got who Jesus was. And so he begins to say, he says, who do men say that I am? Peter says, you are the Christ, son of the living God. And Jesus says to him, you are Peter. You are rock. You're a little rock. But upon this massive rock, suddenly we get, you are Petros. But upon this Petras, 